0: Welcome to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers.
1: And here we are for another Saturday edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander. Bunker de France is over on the other side there. Howdy.
2: I'm good, and today we're not featuring cowboys being better than lawyers. We're featuring Indians being better than lawyers. Well,
1: that's that's exactly what we are trying to do. If I can ever get to my caller here. Yeah, are you trying to? No, that's not ring what him I, in.
2: yeah, we can, we're doing a transatlantic
1: call transatlantic here. call that we're yeah, trying here we're and um uh, yes. i already I've already talked to him, so I don't understand what the deal is uh, uh, he, you know we're we're gonna try this again here.
2: Is he calling you or you calling I'm him? I'm trying
1: to call him,
2: oh okay, one ringy dingy, oh.
1: two ringy dingies. Ring, okay, it's looking promising, yeah. Three ringy dingies, and, and I don't understand because this worked earlier. He he telephoned me on my cell without any issue, and um, now well, I, maybe the operator goes to bed early over there. <laughs> well, it is midnight their that their yeah. time over there. All right, so that's not going to work for this moment in well, time. Well, what, what should I be talking? Yes, you should talking? be talking whilst I figure out okay, what the hell I'll, I'm going to do kind here. Kind of doing a little bit of a. Uh, Our guest is Robert Watt. He's from the United Kingdom, yes. and he's. Uh, uh, I love this. He spent 19 years to become an expert in three years of uh, Western history. 19 years condensed down to three. To become an expert on three years of history in the Indian Wars.
2: Well, that's what you should do. Well,
1: I think so. Yeah, so
2: you go ahead there. I, I, most of them spend three years to cover 19. Well. <laughs> yeah, so that's what it is. But he's also, just to let you know, Henry, I don't know in case you didn't know this, Harry, his middle initial is in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's also a doctor at the University of Birmingham. Yes, he is. The U.K. And let us see, let me wonder around in my paper here. There. Okay, let's see. i got something I wanted to talk about his education. Uh, okay, well here we go. He teaches courses on the Indian Wars for History Department, published a number of articles for American history journals on the Apache and their campaigns throughout the 1800s, has traveled widely through Arizona and Mexico, and I think New Mexico, but he doesn't say in my stuff here, but I'm figuring You got to go to New Mexico. That's where you want to know know stuff. And let's see what else here. Okay. Well, we're going to be focusing primarily on Victorio, uh, who is a uh, one of the great uh, Apache war chiefs, and probably in many ways, maybe maybe one of the very best, if not the best. Let's see. Let's see what's going on here, you're around. Okay, one of his books is horses. I
1: think we have Robert now. Oh, Robert, awesome. are you with me? Yeah. Hi. Hi. There we are. You know, it's that uh that absurd uh, uh well What's absurd? It's telephone, that's what's that's oh, what okay. the issue. Well, it on
2: the telephone I'm here. gonna
1: Robert Watt, welcome to uh, Amble Franzi's Voices of the West. We met Robert uh, at the Western Writers of America conference here in Tucson um, back in June, and what a fascinating individual! Well, you know, he
2: was interested until I started doing research on him. I didn't know how interesting he really was. Well, I mean, this is this feller's—he's. He's like one of those lakes over by Roswell, New Mexico. He's bottomless. I'll tell you. Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you.
1: How's how's life over in the UK these days? Well... Well, <laughs> well, okay, we'll take some of it. Yeah, really. We we, wouldn't find... we we're not
2: having a monsoon season, we're having a drought season. Yeah, pretty much. It's always been a drought around. Well, home. you know, Harry, before we get deeply immersed in this, yes. maybe we should do our preliminary housekeeping. If people want to uh, call in, email, whatever, as you wish. Uh, this
1: is Emil Francie's Voices of the West, and uh, you can reach us via email at uh, voicesofthewestgmail.com. Voicesofthewestgmail.com. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, uh, which is Facebook slash Voices of the West. Our website, of course, Mm voicesofthewest.net, and that really is really about it. We're not going to be doing any um, conference calling here.
2: radio program and other
1: stuff because we got two good oh yeah, yeah yeah we got our radio old-time radio show coming up tonight cisco kid and uh the adventures of the texas rangers uh, or tales of the texas rangers uh, with joe mccray
2: and, and they play a part in, in this history too. they mm-hmm,
1: yeah. certainly do so that's coming up later this afternoon slash evening
2: after this program so go ahead yeah well you know uh, first of all i want to just for folks out there uh I don't know, Robert. You may be the first doctor we've had on the show that was uh, in in this hmm, uh, general area. Uh, you uh, lecture at the University of Birmingham over in the UK. Um, tell us something about yourself, you know, because uh, we always seem to forget about the personal part about you know who you are, who the man is. Right.
3: Okay. Um, I, 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 I'm the wrong side of. Just, um, I've been working at Birmingham for 24 years now. Um, American domestic politics. I research American Indian Wars.
1: What, what prompted you to start this research on the American Indian Wars?
3: I've always been interested in it. Um, ever since I was Ever since I watched the High Chaparral yeah, um, yeah. as a six, seven-year-old, so early early 1970s, hmm.
1: Um, hmm.
3: but my mum was a history teacher.
2: What is he
1: breaking up like? That? It's a uh, it's the transatlantic cable. Oh, is that or the satellite? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, cell phone. Yeah, Anywho, that 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 you you are fading in and out there, Robert. So don't worry about it. No, yeah. we, we've got you here. We
2: may, we may ask you to repeat a thing yeah. every once in a while. But, okay, like, so if it doesn't, well, his interest across. in the
1: West is uh, a result of watching the High Chaparral. Imagine that. Yeah. Well, I take see,
2: I, I'm responsible for his career. You probably are. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, Robert. Uh, one of the things in, in researching this, I was just, you know, totally amazed at, at the depth and the uh, how the latitude she traveled. And I'm just curious about partly. Did did you have any military career or any military experience before before this?
3: I I I would I would call myself a military historian.
2: Mm hmm. Well, I've. Can- no,
3: go ahead. I've never, I've never served in the military. I am on any that oversees what you would call the ROT. ROTC.
1: ROTC, uh huh.
3: But I, I don't. I've never served in the military. I've been kind of myself. I don't. I don't think I would have been with military discipline. <laughs>
2: Yeah, sometimes the, the person with the best understanding is the person that uh, didn't actually, because you can get ground down by the institution. But uh, and I also had a, I, I saw in here that you had uh, in your education, uh, was it a Ph.D., or a, you know, I guess it was a B.A. in sociology? Is that right, or is that wrong? It's it, it, it
3: applied social studies
2: social studies okay yeah. well you know because because I, cause I, yeah, I noticed, you know you know you you mentioned in some of your writing there about um, uh, archaeology and history and it just seems to me that it's an extension of that would be sociology and the humanities
3: yeah um, I I would have said some of the ways I would look at things and research things the, Well, historians of the American West wouldn't necessarily do it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, So, to me, um, any form of information out there that might help you do your research, you should look at it. Mm -hmm. I don't mean to say you accept it, but you should look at it. Mm -hmm. So, one of the the last breakthroughs I had, Hannah's War was um, a friend of mine called Bob Rowland um wrote an article on a Mexican woman's captivity that hmm. was written as a Mexican folk song. Hmm. Now, from the Mexican folk song, it as well, <laughs> and I was then finally able to track from that where the army had... Now, a lot of my colleagues come round and said, folk music. What's
2: that got to do with... Is that kind of like the Carida songs that they're doing now?
3: Well, it's it's called the Carida.
2: Yes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, you're you're talking about a Mexican in the
2: USA. How did you... Well, you know, I... Oh, go ahead. i I'm just... Because there are
3: that are not you know they're not right they record their exp- so you know I, I think my
1: social studies training
3: tells me to look at everything anything that might be relevant have a look at it if, if it helps.
1: Well, that's what a proper
2: researcher is supposed to do, <laughs> and it shows in his work too. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to I'm going to probably reference most of my stuff off of one of the papers that you gave because I was lu- lucky enough to come across it and get to read it. It's the Nun having gone north: a reevaluation of Colonel Benjamin H. Grierson' transpacific campaign against Victoria, July-August 1880. And I'll yep. tell you what it would make a it would make I think one of the greatest Calvary movies ever made if they filmed it, pretty much the way you wrote it.
3: I I I would love. To. Again, most uh, many of my colleagues look because that get involved with Hollywood. I'm afraid, people are going to get into serious history. It's not necessarily going to be Robert Watt. Article on the Trans Pesos campaign, mm-hmm. it's going to be watching a movie and going, what's that all about? <laughs> and as my mum said, she would see me get an interest.
1: That's unfortunately the the way many people uh, in this country learn their history <laughs> is through the television, and, and be it right or wrong, yeah. uh, th- that's how they learn. Uh, because unfortunately, the school system in this country doesn't uh, value behind the television. <clears throat> yeah, it doesn't value uh, education as much as it used to. Um, I mean, there are some places, but uh, by and large, it's. Uh, uh, the american education system's a failure when it comes to educating on uh, uh, on history and, and the historical topics and and it doesn't yeah. want to even talk about some of the things that you're talking about because it makes the white anglo population look bad well, here's it the uh, here's the deal, folks. Uh, to borrow a Ross Perot and Joe Biden phrase, here's the deal: uh, the white Anglo's were bad, and uh, they indeed did come over to this country and rip it away from the native uh, people who were here. I mean, that that's a fact, and you can't get away from it. That's the history of mankind. It, it is. It's not
3: just the. It's not just. Uh, it's happening in the southwest. Mm-hmm.
1: That's
3: the. Um, uh, the Mexican population mm. was there before them.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Exactly. Um, so it's, it's, it, it is a history of imperialism. It's yeah. just American history of imperialism because it was almost eternal.
1: Right.
3: The reputation that, say, Britain gets colonial power in the nineteen 19-
1: well, and, and to, way too often people don't take uh, into account the context uh, of of these movements way back when. They try and apply current uh, policy and principles now. And that's just not, you can't do that. It's like comparing apples to oranges, because, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, you look at the social norms, or the, you look at the norms of that period versus the norms of this period, and yeah, it's atrocious what, what happened. That but
2: the
1: but just... then, that was not necessarily considered atrocious. Yeah.
3: You know? Well, I mean, many many people, I mean, if, if you take Britain had thing like darkest Africa,
4: and mm-hmm.
3: um, that. From manifest
4: destiny,
3: mm-hmm. and yet manifest destiny is presenting a positive message of development. You don't always get, you know, you inside well, which yeah. you, ramifications of until today. You know, I mean,
2: yeah, you, know, you can apply the same the same logic to the Roman Empire or till the Hun or right. Genghis Khan. It's a you know, yep. it's a movement
3: absolutely
2: well let's it, I was gonna say let's 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 talk about uh, bydullia I think that's the correct pronunciation for Victoria uh, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong
3: no that's I, I, I'm, I'm fine with that I'm I'm sure feel sure this they will have problems with their uh, various phonetics but the is, uh, is is how I would understand his name to
2: well, you know, it's one of the things too. It's like you know, Victoria obviously is, is or not obviously, but it's probably a name that was applied to him by the by the Spanish, Spanish or the Mexicans or even the Anglos. But uh, the Yulia, that would have been his given name among his own people, and that every name had a story.
3: Well, I, I'm not actually sure what his so I, I, I'd have to confess that, um, I was, I was, the I name, mean, he would call him killer of, uh, yeah.
1: because that would, that would sum up as. Mm-hmm. We, we, Robert, we're going to take a break here and uh, I apologize for the uh, telephone issues. Uh, It's not on our end. It's not on his end. It's just what happens It's just what happens when uh, you try and make a cell phone call around the world, I guess. Yeah, but Modern, technology, yeah, modern and a, and technology on an ancient subject. Right. So, anywho, we've got to do our first break. We're talking with uh, Robert Watt. Uh, he's a uh, professor, he's a researcher, and he's written a couple of books on the Indian Wars uh, from uh, 1879 to 1881. He's quite the expert on, on that particular period. We are going to take our first... First commercial break here and be right back with much more on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Do stay
4: tuned.
0: Voices of the West will be right sugarfoot. back. Read classic western comics anytime at Mm voicesofthewest.net.
5: The Tucson Trap and Ski Club is one of the best-kept economic secrets in town. This 900-member group maintains one of the finest shotgun shooting ranges in the country, featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and sporting clays fields, and hosts national and international events that bring thousands of people and millions of dollars into our community. The Spring Satellite Grand American Tournament alone involves 1,200 participants for 10 days. Learn more about this and their other contributions to our community at tucsontrapandskeet.com.
2: As we recognize the service of America's men and women in uniform, let's also honor the families who sacrifice so much every day. Military families endure frequent deployments and separations. They carry on while their loved ones are sent into harm's way and wait patiently for their safe return. If you really want to honor a veteran, look for ways to support their families and thank them for their sacrifices. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help.
0: Read classic Western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net. I'll hop upon my pony and I'll ride away down the trail to San Antonio. Welcome back. I can see you standing waiting by the garden gate and she waits for me
1: back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander Bunker de France, and our guest is Robert Watt. He is a professor, researcher, and uh, quite the expert on three specific years of the Indian Wars here. Probably
2: much more than that. That's
1: just the concept. On the southwest United States, and uh, he is speaking to us from the UK, Um, so it's an international call, so folks uh, try and bear with us, please, Uh, and uh, you know, there's going to be dropouts here and there. It's Technology. That's just how it works. Yeah, be bear with us, and uh, we'll just make it as good as we possibly can.
2: And Robert, I want to apologize in advance that uh, if we sometimes step on your what you're saying, because we are, we're having the same problem in that we sometimes we'll get a gap, and we don't know whether you finished or or, or so out. It's just drop out. So please uh, bear with us if we. Uh, step on your toes as far as uh, talking. The only way
1: this would have worked good is if he had been in studio with us. Oh, I would have loved that. But we can't afford to go to the UK, and he yeah. probably can't and make it he, back And here. you know, the, <laughs> last,
2: the last Saturday when you were yeah. editing for the thing, yeah. he came back in the room and we visited for yeah. a while and had a wonderful visit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's one of the reasons why he's back on the show. We're yes, on the show.
2: Is, yes. So, go ahead. Uh, well, you know, one of the things I, I came across here is that uh, you have traveled extensively through Arizona and Mexico doing your research. Uh, do you have any interesting or funny or horrendous experiences you'd like to share with us?
3: Um, oh, I prob- probably um, I slept out overnight in the southwest it was with called and Stronghold.
1: Goji mm, Stronghold, okay.
3: Yeah, and beautiful nights. And um, We we had the going, and uh, I'm, I'm sitting, chatting away to a uh, couple uh, of old colleagues, Miranda and Emilio, and all of a sudden, and it's campfire's. Beautiful night. Something brushes by my leg. Oh! I just about hit the tree above. <laughs> it, turned out it was a ring-tailed cat. Mm. <laughs> and but I had visions of all sorts of things. <laughs> and my two friends are falling about laughing. Um, luckily, nobody had a camera on me. <laughs> I yes, yeah. but it was. It was a full moon. It was skies. I'd never done anything like that before,
4: hmm.
3: and I also died by mosquitoes. Hmm. So the following morning, I am absolutely covered. My <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I guess I guess during your research travels, you—I understand you visited the. Uh, Tres Castillos area over there where uh, Victor, uh, Victorio, uh, met his final demise. Uh, what was that area like? Uh, that was, that was,
3: that was, came in, next, came in from. And a lot of the southwest, not in the mountains, it looks really flat, but it isn't flat. Very very, you know, it's, it looks flat. there's lots of cover. Treskissius is an old lake, and he, the, the surrounding area, literally, as flat as a pancake. It is virtually no cover. And me, um, I, I don't tend to get very spiritual in these. You, know, you tend to get people going to historic sites, but, and I got to Treskissius and looked around and just went, wow. Um, if Colonel Tarantino minutes earlier, the Apache would have probably scattered and gone. If he'd attacked 10 minutes later, they'd have probably occupied the two more rough hills, who would have had a much better chance of surviving.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And if, as a historian, you can't understand battlefields. It's, it's mm-hmm. okay reading the report it's okay looking at the maps, you need to do that. You need, yeah, you need it, to get into the Dutch archives. Yeah. But you need to actually walk around. Because every war site I have visited, hmm. and it hasn't looked anything like what I thought it looked
1: yeah i i i understand what you're saying there my great-grandfather served at fort huachuca during the geronimo campaign and i was stationed at fort huachuca almost 100 years later And it was uh, it was pretty cool to to walk the grounds of where perhaps he walked at a ghost walk at some point in time. And he also served at uh, Fort Lowell up in Tucson, and so uh, or just outside of Tucson. So that I mean, you know, going there those places, it's um, it's just it's way cool and and. Surreal, I guess, is one way to put it.
2: Well, you know, since uh, we're talking about forts, I want to. As you mentioned it in your article, uh, Fort Stanton—it's over by where I grew up, and I used to spend a lot of time in that area. And I know it didn't play a major role, but it did play a role in this uh, proceedings. Well,
1: we lost him. No, he's—he's there someplace. Yeah,
3: I'm. I can hear you perfectly. Yeah, I mean,
1: Yep, we got you now. Yeah,
3: yeah. Okay, no Fort Stanton. I several times. I've even been to the um, Fort Stanton live event. And the thing about Fort Stanton is, is it maybe doesn't live directly in the Victoria Nana Wars, mm-hmm. but it's one of the forts that troops are operating for, mm-hmm. and. I, what's fascinating about all, but I, I think um, American and uh, not American, German, Japanese and Right. Mm-hmm. The German, the war being held there. It's a sanatorium for a while. I think it's
2: to be the
3: correction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think juvenile prisoners are being held.
2: It's become one of the uh, major attractions in New Mexico because of the Lincoln County War and its proximity and the overall rich history that travels, you know, from the Apache days right up through uh, World War II. Yeah. So, you, you, you know, um,
3: what hmm. storing more and more You can see what the barracks look like, I think in the eighteen fifties, 1870s, and I've been to Lincoln several times. Of course if you think of Lincoln County War, it's all about hustling um and whose whose land. But it's right next door all these people buying up Bodgy cat, also buying them from Victoria and selling them guns and ammunition.
2: Yeah. No, that you know the Lincoln County War is vigorous. Well, you know that yeah, that put that was a strong part of uh, Victoria's strategy when he tried to make that second run up that way and and was uh, yeah. met with Grierson. And I one of the things that you pointed out, which is I always thought was. Very, very left out of a lot of the history of the Apache was that his strategy of of uh, destroying their means of transportation—the horses and the mules—keeping them either wearing them down to where they were useless or just killing them off so that they didn't have means of getting around. And uh, I think that's a great strategy. Thing
3: is, Grierson is Grierson. July, August, he's quite explicitly saying, I'm not going to be drawn into this, because all that will happen. So a lot of the, a lot of the, of Grierson talk about him guarding passes and water holes. He did do. But to me, his key thing was, A, looking at the Apache, and going, I'm not getting drawn into that. But B, what he was doing was sending out constant patrols, mine, find where they and sending, and courier line with his Mexican equivalent across the border. And it's that, Mexico, them off, where the vulnerable group that are driving the stolen loot taken in Mexico the next thing is them off where this group is, where Victoria can distract them with another group of warriors. So there's a lot more to Grierson's campaign than has met the eye. And it's, there's actually quite a lot of stuff written on Grierson until now. And most of it has really missed the point about what Grierson was up to. Um, speaking of walking the battlefield managed to get
4: to um,
3: visit one of the sites, person-built placement above a waterhole where he thought Victoria was trying to um, to visit. Uh, It's a place called Tinaha Dos Palmas in western Texas. you can still see the three in place um, to hold them off. Hmm. So... Grierson Grierson is actually very interesting. He doesn't fully get the app- but he gets enough of the He app- goes, I don't want to be following behind this. I want to get round blocking. But that you know, if you've read the article, that five like mile night ride mm-hmm. isn't about doing Victoria. It's about going round and getting in actually, Grierson's quite unusual. One of the one of the best army who gets better of the Apache without the benefit of Apache scout. He has playable scouts with him, but he doesn't have Apache. Over to you
4: guys.
1: Hello?
2: yeah we're here yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, well you know while, while we got the break here uh what can you tell us about the uh, Battle of Imbrillo canyon i understand that was uh, the largest of the of the uh, clashes between the two forces well what what, what me
4: you
3: may have come across a guy called Carl Lombaski and he's the archaeologist that um, organised survey of the the, the area. It, the, the big story about Embryo Canyon is, so if reads an idea, Embryo Canyon, you have a you have a, you have a skirmish in the fifth April eighteen eighty, bottom end of the canyon. Following day, um, two companies of nine policemen are a overnight, and then rescued by. Um, Apache Scouts, and other men from the same battalion. Um, but the big story is that people trapped overnight apparently had drunk poisoned water and were uh, you know, debilitated by diarrhea. So it was gypsum-laid water. What Carl found out was that those salamanders were carrying water, uh, we're, we're water wagons. there was no need for them to have drunk problem, problematic area hmm. and I then did a whole load of crawling the me told about Embryo Canyon after uh, was was rubbish So they were saying they knew where the Apaches were, they didn't they hmm. he, he you know they, they, they emerged Get water, so they, couldn't get they couldn't get the so they couldn't get the There was a broken water pump at one of the key wells. Hmm. So instead of being able to water the whole command, they well, to water one of the commands, so they were a day late. Um, but going back to Carl's work, is, Carl was able to track individual um Apache warriors across the battlefield, but he also showed the Apaches seemed to understand um, that repeating rifles had a shorter range and that, say, things like that or Springfield, had mm. a longer range and were deployed. Mm. They were, the Apaches stationed around the water sources they were trying to keep the knife away from, largely armed with is the, um, the Apache stationed on the higher ridges round about were armed with things of a longer range Springfield turbines and rifles, I mean, So there's a whole um, load of, um, you know, the archaeology is really giving us information that mm. we realized before. Mm. It, what, the minor skirmish the previous day at the bottom of Embryo Canyon. If, And we're still using arrows to try and launch arrows into the, the, the horseholders and that, hmm. the, the travel behind the skirmish line. So the archaeology is finding fascinating stuff. But you go back to Embryo itself, it's probably, it's in terms of the numbers involved, it's the biggest battle of campaigns. Hmm. So you've got a couple of hundred, maybe a couple of hundred Apaches, or four hundred um, the Apache Scout Companies come in to help these two track companies. The other two companies, the ninth Cavalry in Battalion, coming in the following day to help with the rest. You've got those six congressmen who were attached to the Apache Scout Company. You're talking about possibly eight or nine hundred um Wow! in the one and
1: that's, that's unusual
3: for the. Hmm. It's unusual for those that high level of numbers.
1: Yeah, I would imagine so. We're talking with Robert Watt, he from the UK, and uh, he's a professor. Uh, uh, Historian, written a couple of books here on the Apache Wars, and uh, he's just a, a, f- a fascinating guy to talk with. Uh, we're going to take our first, our, our second break here. Second break. Second. Thank you. And I'm still learning my colors too. Yeah, um, yeah. So <laughs> we're going to do that and be back with much more of Amel Franzi's Voices of the West. You stay tuned.
0: Voices of the West will be right back.
1: When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. First, contact the Polash Management Company today at polashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Polash Management Company, property managers you can trust.
0: Man, this is frustrating. It's taken me like five minutes just to load my homepage. Did you try Control-Alt-Delete? Uh-huh. Did you jiggle the cord? Uh-huh. Did you turn it on and off again? Uh-huh. Call Arizona Computer Guru. Don't let viruses
5: get you down. With our Guru Protection Service, we'll keep you virus-free. In fact, if you were
0: to get a virus, we would fix it for free. Speak to a technician right now at 304-8300 or at azcomputerguru.com.
1: Hello? have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse it Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse it Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, rescueorg Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseataroundrescue.org.
5: Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Tom, the host of the Movies Out podcast, and I'm inviting you to give the Movies Out's podcast a listen. Every episode, my co-hosts and I review the latest box office releases, but there's more than simply just that. We also play games like... The Alexa quote of the show. And
2: may the odds be ever in your favor.
5: And have a From the Cutting Room Floor segment that is an open forum to discuss anything from our thoughts of a Netflix TV series to our experiences with movie subscriptions such as the AMC Stubs or Movie Pass. So... After finishing this podcast, please give the Movie Zealots podcast a listen. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. Simply search Movie Zelts. Until
0: then, and that's a wrap. Watch classic Western movies anytime at voicesofthewest.net. six
1: of the west and there's your dose of high chaparral <clears throat> is this for you robert yeah just for you sir well actually it's for bunker too because he'll walk if i don't play the high chaparral theme that's right at least once a show so um, he's negotiating for two times a show but that dog ain't gonna well, hunt. you're
2: tough you're a tough
1: <laughs> nut to crack
2: at well speaking of tough nuts uh Shortly, about a month after the uh, the um, battle, he had uh, Victoria, or I guess the Apache, suffered their first major defeat at the end of May. Could you fill us in on what that defeat was?
3: Well, basically, um, he, he's 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 there. several Apache scout. Um, and he thought he'd outrun them all. Bar, actually, he he tracked the Thomas River in the Black Range in New Mexico. managed to walk off his camp and the um, fire at dawn and hit been down for several hours and had to withdraw because they were running out of ammunition. The reckon they claimed to have killed about 50, and they didn't. That's the thing about very high casualties, and the other side have got the drop. Mm-hmm. Victorio has done this several times in the camp. Um, it's Apache Scouts.
1: Um, easy. Inside. Robert, where do you figure that the the Apache Nation learned the tactics that they used in battle? Uh, was it something that had been down down with them for uh, ages or did they pick it up from some other nation did they pick it up from uh, just knowing or, or fighting the US forces that this was the way to do that or, or I mean it was extremely unconventional I think it's a mix of two
3: that are pretty much the last no, actually
2: wasn't it also kind of a form of sustainable warfare, just like, you know, their rating basically was based upon uh, sustaining their, you know, their food, their supplies, and therefore they didn't necessarily uh, think of battle like we would in the Euro sense?
4: They, they, they see. In in
3: from an enemy warfare was to take life and overs eating were oh um but they did eating. from warfare warfare is about I think they have was have because he may have been one of the last end of the U.S.
4: Mm-hmm. Also,
3: one of the tribes encounter Europe so they've had about hundred years of experience. Sure, if you look at, you know, I think different.
1: Well, it certainly had to. It certainly was. Uh, I'm sure uh, unusual for the Apache, or any other native uh, society to see the uh, battle, uh, how how the Mexican or the Spanish forces battled, as well as the U.S. forces, because everybody was, well, let's see, the Spanish, that was before Napoleon, but they were still using some, some tactics, uh, order of battle, if you will, uh, that uh, uh, Napoleon obviously continued and and that was the structure of 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 the uh, uh, American battle plan at least up through the Civil War I uh, think they were
2: uh, adaptive so that that wouldn't have faced yeah, him at all.
1: Yeah, the Apache were most adaptive uh, and, and it was the US forces that could not adapt to <laughs> to yeah. guerrilla warfare if you will in fact that didn't even happen until they started to figure it out in Vietnam.
2: <laughs> yeah, they still haven't figured. No, they still it. haven't. No. Well, you know, this is a, an interesting part of the history. Was the uh, the Buell expedition where the U.S. Army uh, negotiated some type of agreement with the uh, Mexican forces? And as you pointed out, it's largely questionable. Uh, I guess the legality. So what would be the legal problems there, you know, treaties, whatever? Well,
3: well it's, it's the legal problems of those, those, those two republics, so at the federal level, you get two governments saying, oh, national countries, you know... Uh, this is inviolable, and obviously a lot of Mexican nationalists, federal government going, oh, you know, at USA, we've got to watch them like a hawk. Mm. <laughs> it was an 1846 to 48 in the Mexican-American War. But you've also got players on the ground. So you've got almost the, um, you almost have a semi-feudal state called the State of mm. where you
4: have
3: of people who are nominally Mexican federal government who are effectively running the show. Mm-hmm. And you have you have a less set of local players territory of New Mexico who are also playing their own game. So the army, in effect, they're crossing, I mean, there's at least, oh, I can think of at least eight when as U.S. troops in Mexico, eighteen seventy nine to eighteen eighty one, mm-hmm. when they shouldn't? They have absolutely no permission at all to be there. <laughs> Big surprise. <laughs> There's no comeback.
4: Yeah.
3: You know, they're, they're, you know basically the local op- saying, "Well, we need get the Americans here, but hey, we have a common enemy, and that common enemy is giving us a lot of problems at the moment." Mm-hmm. They say have, you have a, a, almost a local gun between Luis, governor of Chihuahua, and I can never quite pin it down because there were two wise to put any of this in writing, um, but I reckon with the local U.S. Army, so probably Edward Hatch, mm-hmm. New Mexico, but it's all, A, it's kind of deniable. You know, you can kind of say, "Oh, we 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 didn't actually realise where the border was, exactly." And if you've actually been down to that border area, I mean, the, the classic John Wayne, John Ford, uh, westerns will always have the Rio Grande nicely sitting on the border.
4: Mm-hmm. But
3: of course, Apache Wars, the Rio Grande is 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 we don't have an obvious border. Yeah. But also you also have people in both federal government going, okay, as long as things don't go wrong, you guys, just one, <laughs> he'll try and hold the fort at this level. It's a, really fasc- <laughs> it's a really fascinating political, because you don't actually get a formal agreement, I think, until 1883. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, that's part of the thing. You know, you have duel going into... Mexico the the last thing might have been almost a tenth of the, the then-standing U.S. Army, because he's got, maybe not a tenth, between a fifth and maybe a tenth of the standing U.S. Army, um, actually in Mexico, with absolutely no permission from the federal Mexican government to be there, and yet they're providing serious support to allow Tarazis to get to a position where he can catch uh, Victoria's Yes. So the Tres campaign, the U.S. Army is quite important in it, yet they, they, they don't, they don't, in Apache, or, you know, a, a, an independent Apache at all. The only Apache they see their own scouts. Hmm. But they're providing an important, here, here, Victoria can't go there. So he has to then try and work out how to keep ahead of his enemies. And he's, basically his luck runs out because Tarazis, um this is Joaquin Torazas rather than Luis. Luis Tarazis is the governor of Chihuahua. His cousin is an experienced uh, Chihuahua state commander and he has been fighting Apaches since
4: 1850.
3: Hmm. He knows enough about Apaches to go, well, they're going this way But, hmm. So look at Tres Castillas, and he gets lucky.
1: We we hang hang on a second. We're, we we got to interrupt here. We're talking with Robert N. Watt uh, from the UK. Apologies on the phone connection there, but that's just what it is. Um, we're talking about uh, his three books. Uh, he spent 19 years to become an expert on three years uh, of the uh, of American Southwest history regarding the Indian Wars. We got to do our final break here. So Robert, hang on the line. We'll be back. With much more of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West right after these important messages.
0: Emil Voices of the West will be right back.
5: seven 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 nineteen eleven Hi, this is Joe Montaigne. Every time my Uncle Willie tells me about his service in Patton's Third Army in World War II, I'm reminded of what we owe the U.S. Army. Fourteen generations of American soldiers who have courageously defended our nation. Their stories represent the best of America and should never be forgotten. Join me to help build the National Museum of the United States Army, a long overdue tribute to all
0: American soldiers. To learn more, visit armyhistory.org Old Western Radio Theater every Saturday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time only on the voices of the West. B.O.W. Radio.
5: He was waiting at the station when the train pulled in he was there to
1: meet a lady as a favor for a friend. The
5: stranger was a proud man who paid the debts he owed. And it was his time to pay the debt he owed from long ago.
0: Handsome stranger, where do you come from? Welcome back, no back no to Emil Franz's you know Voices of the West. blue eyes.
1: Yes, it's uh, Mel Tillis there, and the handsome stranger from the movie, uh, the villain. Worked on that one, uh, starring Kirk Douglas, uh, filmed at Old Tucson. Um, Regal, n- Creek. Mm-hmm. you were in that weren't you in yeah, the, was in in that, yeah. Yeah. we're Yeah, I that. talking with Robert Watt from the UK he's a professor of political science and a historian three books he's written uh, and it's taken him 19 years he says to become an expert on three years of <laughs> uh, American uh, history regarding the Indian Wars. Robert uh, what are you going to spend your next 19 years on uh, studying and, and writing a couple of books?
3: Oh, I've I no idea. I mean it's been a bit of a been a bit of an anti climax. You get to the end and the, <laughs> the, the third book's just come out in the UK so I've, I've managed to get my paws on it. And I think it's in the US next month. And I'm gonna have to sit down and think, What do I do next? <laughs> um, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna i I'm gonna have a good long think about that. <laughs>
1: Let's talk about I, I, those let's talk about those three books the titles and where folks can get them uh either in the US the UK or around the world which I imagine is I, pretty much the same
3: <laughs> I mean I I, I I probably get the cheapest deals on Amazon so they should be on pre-order on Amazon so if you if you just punch in what and Victoria or what and Nana it should
1: um, yeah, that's Robert Watt W A T T Robert N. The initial N is in November. Watt W A T T, and Amazon is uh, one place you can find them. I'm sure Barnes and Noble. I'm sure any of the places that you find your uh, uh, your books. Uh, you I, my my pop,
3: my publisher is Billion, and I think Casemate Publishers for oh, the US end of things. So. Mm-hmm. I think the easiest, the easiest thing is to look on Amazon. Um, I and I've also got um, in the Osprey series of, uh, Apache Warrior and Apache Tactics. Who, so if you if you if you if you want something that's a bit more user friendly, a lot more uh, pictures and diagrams, mm-hmm. uh, I would have the Osprey books. If okay. you like those, maybe move on to the they bits.
1: What do your students think of you, uh, and, and and or do they even know that you're you're a, a published author on uh, the American uh, the history of the American Southwest? I mean, no, he doesn't. He's, he's a political science professor, not an American. But he history.
2: lectures on these guys,
1: okay, extensively. All right. Well, I stand, I sit corrected.
3: Then. <laughs> 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 I used to, I used to give a, a an auction in the American Indian Wars to the history department. I haven't done that for a few years now.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I think. Oh, i I. I think. I, I'm not entirely sure what my students make of me. <laughs>
4: okay.
3: When you're not. When when you're not sure what your students make of you, it's probably not.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know what I said. It sounds like it sounds like your students are like our students over here.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, I've um, got a few <laughs> Things, including a, a necklace that, um, I, a friend that, um, a guy called Juan Rogelio in, in New Mexico, and he's, he made me a replica Apache set of tweezers hanging around my neck, mm. which is made out of a spent cartridge case. Cool.
2: Um,
3: so, um... Ahead, that, that That's sometimes a bit of a conversation starter. mm
2: mm-hmm. I had his name I, down as somebody that was a, had the influence on you, so I'm glad I was I was on the target there. Hey,
1: we are unfortunately out of time. This hour's gone by quickly, and you know, Robert, too when quickly. we when we spoke with you in uh, uh, when you were in Tucson, we it was like a half hour, and that was like nothing. This was like nothing too. We got to have you back because definitely you're so just we can fill in the gaps. Well, yeah, you're just too good, and, and so <laughs> we got to. Oh. We gotta have you back, sir, and uh, uh, we'll we'll touch email base and and figure out what's a, a good date uh, for for you and for us. Um, so um, I want to thank you much for joining us and and staying up, late, and up late on on your side of the pond there to to talk with us. Uh, most appreciated. I think it's one
3: o'clock in the morning here, and <laughs> well, can I for Britain on this one.
2: Okay, have a hot toddy and go to bed. There you go.
1: <laughs> Robert that was good costume. You guys, all right. Thank you so much Thank for joining you. us, Thank Robert you. N. Watt. He's a professor of political science and historian, American uh, stuff, American uh, stuff. Indian stuff. American stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd lose a word here and there every now and then. This happens when you get over sixty-five. You know that. Well, I'm way past. I'm <laughs> I know when that. You're away from eighty. Yeah, I know that. All right. It, it isn't it. <laughs> That's it for this edition of America uh, from uh, famous Francis Voices of the West. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. For listening, folks. We'll see you uh, talk at you next week. Our Genius. guest is Gene Freeze. He is the son of uh, Old Tucson historian uh, Marty Freeze. He'll be in studio. We're going to talk about yeah, Bob Mitchum book five and um, a awesome bunch books. of other nifty things. Until then, so long. Five,
2: five. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to Emil Franzig's Voices of the West.